0: What is good, everyone? This is your host, Deanna Radalescu with Label Free Podcast. Live your best life. You must live label free. I'm super excited. We have a very special guest. She's joining us from Austin, Texas. I love my Texans. She is a published author. She was in the neonatal intensive care unit, and she was there for, in 35 years uh, of ex- 34 years of experience. She is now currently retired. Please welcome Susan Landers to the show. Susan, thank you for being here. Can you please tell the audience a little bit about your background?
1: Yes. Thank you, Deanna. Um, I appreciate the invitation. I practiced in the neonatal intensive care unit, the NICU, for quite a long time. I became a physician and train, finished my training before I got married and had children. I had three children. I married a, a, another physician, and my husband and I raised our three children while we both worked full time. He had a different specialty. His job was a little less intense than mine, but still uh, plenty of work. <clears throat> i yeah, I underestimated how hard it would be to raise children while working full time. Um, I, and i and I love to talk to working moms nowadays, especially young millennials, because, they've gotten this notion from all of us, from society, from culture, that you're supposed to be able to do everything. Juggle your kids, juggle your career, keep your husband happy, keep the house clean. It's just crazy. Um, And I like to tell people that that notion of what a working mother is, is really false. It's something that society and our culture has dreamed up. Uh, I wrote a book about my experience, a memoir called So Many Babies. And in that book, I talk about what it was like to grow as a physician and as a mom because I didn't always know what I was doing as a mother. I was very skilled as a physician and a good physician. But even though I was a pediatrician, I didn't do the perfect things with my children. I had to learn. I had to talk to friends. I had to ask family members for help and support. And um, I wanted other working mothers to feel some reassurance that the way I went through things and the difficulties that I had here and there are normal. I really wanted to normalize my experience. And that's why I wrote the book part of it is to tell about life in the nicu and part of it is to tell what it's like to be a busy working mother
0: yeah and i would think that even though you are a pediatrician people probably thought that oh you know what you're doing you got the yeah. you know that you that you know you're doing it like superwoman with your cape on right. supermom when in reality you're just a working mom like a lot of other women out there
1: yes the nicu moms i love to talk to them you know, when their babies are in the NICU, they're sitting at the bedside, you know, getting to know the nurses and the other doctors. And I would tell a story about one of my kids, something going wrong or some challenge. And they would look at me like, you're a pediatrician. Don't you, do not your children act like this? Do you have trouble with your children? I'd go, are you kidding? Yeah. Everybody has trouble with their kids. Everybody learns as they go. And they would always say exactly what you just said. Wow, I thought your children would really be perfect. I'm going, there is no such thing. (laughs) No mom is perfect. No child is perfect. We're all just out there doing the best we can, especially if you have a job that you really like. Yeah. You know, the, the other thing that's going on right now is that moms are being forced to choose between childcare and work. Yeah. For a number of reasons. Childcare is so expensive. Uh, work got changed during the pandemic. Everybody expected women to take up the slack. Yeah. And so I feel like working moms nowadays are struggling because of this culmination of all these events. Expecting to be perfect expecting to take care of children expecting to hold down a job too and it's really all too much for lots of people
0: absolutely and we're going to talk about that going through the pandemic but do you think that those are a a lot of different labels that society puts on women as mothers
1: yes super mom is something that i thought i was supposed to be when i first became a mother um uh Good enough, mother is a yeah. good label, and we don't talk much about that. Stay at home moms maybe don't get as much credit as they deserve, and working moms and career moms, people think it means something. And what I like moms to know is that if you work outside the home, and that is a little bit of an extra challenge you are a better mother because you work at a job that you like yeah. in a job where you're fulfilled and so even though you may work 50 or 60 hours a week that job that work that career whatever we call it allows you to be a better person and therefore you're a better mother and our society hasn't named that person Other than good enough mother. That's the only uh, distinction I can think of. Katanji Brown Jackson, in her hearings, defined being a good enough mother that way. She said, I've tried to do it all, I couldn't do it all. I gave a lot of energy to my career, I tried to be a good mother to my girls. And she defined it beautifully it's impossible to do everything yeah i think and i think
0: i think finding that balance of prioritizing obviously your children are going to always come first but prioritizing what is more important to to really put a lot of your energy in when you you know i mean i i think that there's a delicate balancing act with with mothers that are in the workforce that are career moms that, have right. that, 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 um, in order to be seen as a good enough mother, they got to have that
1: balancing act down. Right. <laughs> right. Right. And when I joined my practice in Austin, I was the only woman in a practice of nine men. They were all married to stay at home moms. Oh, wow. And I said, you know, i got to go to the school for this or that, or, you know, uh, I don't really want to start work at seven in the morning because I have to put the kids on the bus at seven in the morning. And they looked at me like, what do you mean? And yeah. I, I said, we, well, you know, couldn't we just start at eight instead of seven so I can get the kids off to school and still get to work on time? We made the change. We started covering for each other, going to school events, and the men grew to like it. They grew to like accommodating activities with children in school into their work day. And it worked out really, really well. And they hired four or five more women positions. And we had a very family friendly practice. It was it was wonderful. I love that. just because we talked about the issues just because I was brave enough to say, Hey guys, this really isn't working for me. You know, this being at work at seven in the morning, I don't get to see my kids at all.
0: You should, you should write a book on that for like different <laughs> pediatricians or doctors out there and how to, right. how to create a, a practice where it's family friendly to really kind of focus on that family aspect. I think that'd be great.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> it's so important. So yes,
0: important. Definitely is. So when did you write your book?
1: I wrote my book right after I retired. I had been practicing for a long time. And when I was in my early 60s, I became burned out. I didn't realize that I was getting that way. It kind of snuck up on me. I didn't feel like I was making a difference anymore. I was sort of avoiding people, avoiding talking to the nurses and parents. I was typically physically exhausted. I was emotionally overwhelmed, there were some really difficult cases, I talk about some of these in my book. And it, and I realized I was burned out. And I had this wonderful opportunity to work part time at a labor and delivery center, that was low risk, so not ICU. Um, I did that and my practice was very flexible. They said, well, if you need to work less, we'll let you do that. I wasn't ready to retire. So I went to this lower risk service and loved taking care of normal newborns, talking to new moms and just seeing all the happy grandparents and siblings visiting. It was a real happy place to work. And that's when I learned about burnout. And when I learned how to take care of my burnout, yeah. so another thing that's very important for healthcare workers right now is that the prevalence of burnout is so high yeah. and I'm really concerned that some of these nurses and doctors are going to suffer through it like I did. And they may not know how to take care of themselves or get the help they need to recover from burnout. And I wrote a little bit about that in my book too. And I, and I do some writing on my blog about burnout too.
0: I think that's a really important topic to cover because I think that in almost any industry you can experience burnout, especially if you're working a lot. I mean, my, my fiance is a police officer and the hours they work, the hours they work are crazy too. And I'm just like, you know, I I, I think that anybody's susceptible to it, especially if they're just So nose to the grindstone, just go, 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 Right. never take any time for yourself to decompress because that's really important. I think that's important for everybody.
1: It is so important. And physicians, much like police officers, are get the job done, put on your blinders, don't take care of yourself and certainly don't complain because that's a sign of weakness yeah a little of that rubbed off on nurses although nurses are better in general than doctors at saying wow i really can't work four shifts this week it's really too much and i really feel for how hard these people worked during the pandemic because mm-hmm. they were so short staffed they saw so much disease they did so many extra shifts They took care of so many cases where things were going poorly and there's no way, like with your fiance being a policeman, there's no way that what they saw, it is not going to affect them. It's going to be in the back of their brain. They're going to remember some of those images. And I really worry, it's a lot like our uh, PTSD and our vets that come home. And sometimes it happens later, way after the trauma. So it's so important. If anybody listening has a loved one that's a nurse or a doctor or a veteran or or a first responder, they need to really watch out for signs of burnout because your loved one needs to get the help they need to heal and recover.
0: Hey, Dad. Hey, did you know
1: that uh, April is National Testicular Cancer Awareness Month?
0: You know, I I did hear that, but I've been around for a long time, and and I wouldn't know how to check myself. You can go to uh, manscaped.com, TCS, and they have some simple checks that you can actually do, and uh, it'll show you how to do it. Well, that's great, Mike, because we're with Label Free Podcast, and we partner with Manscaped to make people aware and testicular cancer and how they can check themselves. we here at Label Free Podcast, partnered up with Manscaped and we have a promotion going uh, where you input Label Free 20 and you get 20% off the product and shipping. And some of the products that I, I know that we have here, the new premium products they, they just came out with, um, I know that Manscaped's taken care of our below the waist issue and I know that you endorse the product because you, you've used it. I have. I have that i've you know got to save my balls that's that's the best way to go <laughs> i'm about self-care <laughs> oh good good you good know, for and you. i you know i think and, and i watch you know obviously i'm i pamper him when he works some real long hours I'm, i want to make sure he's staying care of and he can just relax and decompress and just I, I just think it's super important after going through a lot of counseling for my you know my previous life you know, you learn to just be aware of some of those things, you know, because I know that Good. there's certain traumas that from, you know, when I was growing up that sometimes get triggered. And I have to be mindful yes. of that. And I think it's just because of those experiences, which is like PTSD. So, right, right. You, you know, you said something about there are some hard cases being in the in neonatal intensive care. Do you, you, can you share like one or two of those?
1: Uh, Yeah, let me see. Uh, A baby, a tiny baby whose uh, parents wanted him desperately because they were older and he was IVF, uh, a product of IVF. And the father was an evangelical preacher and prayed for miracles and the little baby had a very bad complication of prematurity which is a hemorrhage into the brain and Mm -hmm. the hemorrhages that he had were quite large and damaged a lot of his brain and we told the parents i was one of his doctors that the his outcome would be very poor for sure cerebral palsy, maybe some other major disabilities. And the father and mother said, that's okay, press on. And we said, okay. Um, And we pressed on. And then the baby developed an infection, a severe fungal infection in his blood that spread to the brain. And a fungal infection in a newborn is amazingly serious and devastating. And I don't know how this little guy survived and again when he was sort of hanging on by his fingernails almost on the brink of death we said to the parents you know it would really be okay to let him go and um uh, let him die of his prematurity and his complications and they said no 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 God is going to take care of him and the child Unbelievably survived because of all our great technology. <clears throat> the dad was very appreciative, the mom and dad both. Two years later, they came back to one of our neonatal reunions, and the child was in a wheelchair. He was totally deformed with cerebral palsy, couldn't speak, couldn't see, oh. was fed by a tube. Oh. you know, sort of drooling, sort of uh, had seizures. And and I personally had a lot of trouble with that case. The dad said hello to me. And I said, I asked him how he was. And was he enjoying being with his son? And he said, you know, doc, it doesn't matter to me one bit how he turned out. He's still my son. And of course that father was right, Yeah. but I I had some trouble with that particular case. And there are other cases like that where there may be an opportunity for parents to make decisions about uh, stopping care or no longer going forward with more intensive care. And when Nurses, doctors, and parents don't agree on those cases, it creates some ethical and emotional turmoil. Yeah. Because everybody has an opinion. I mean, whether you think you do or not, if your child is in that position, you'll have an opinion about what's the right thing to do for your child and for you. So, cases like that, that kind of case is called moral distress and that's the thing that during the pandemic there was so much of yeah you know making decisions about caring for people who who refused a vaccine or making decisions about caring for people who were dying and their family was nowhere around because they couldn't come in yeah or not having a bed for a patient that you thought you could help, but there was not equipment or room to take care of them. And so again, moral distress is something that doctors and nurses deal with and they dealt with it in spades during the pandemic. I dealt with it over a long haul, but at the very end, it kind of got the best of me too there were some cases that really Deanna were just so troublesome to me that I carried the weight of those cases around with me. Does that make sense? It
0: makes total sense. Like I almost wanted to cry. I mean, it's like a beautiful story that the the parents wanted to hang on, but it was also kind of, and excuse me for saying this, but also kind of selfish because the, the, the child has got no quality of life. And I mean, as badly as I want a child now at this point in my life, and I would do anything, I would not want to subject a, my child or another living person to living like that. You know what I mean? Because that's no life to live.
1: Well, you have expressed the paradox exactly. And those, those kind of situations can really accumulate so that practitioners feel the weight of those emotional decisions and those ethical decisions. And, mm-hmm. and that, that's not an uncommon thing that happens in the NICU. I mean, mm-hmm. tiny premature babies that have complications are actually pretty common. So. Yeah. Well,
0: bless your
1: heart. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, Thank I was you. gonna ask you at
0: that point, how did you deal with that? But it sounds like you didn't really deal with it at all. You just kept moving forward and then caught up with you later.
1: Well, I have to, I have to be honest here. The dad and I disagreed. And I, my recommendation was that they let the baby go. Yeah. Because, because of my quality of life, um, views. Right. And they, and they disagreed. And the dad asked, if he could have another doctor take care of his baby. And that is the only time in my life I've ever been asked by a parent not to be their child's doctor. And I said to the dad, that's fine. I've got plenty of partners. You're not hurting my feelings. I want you to feel good about the care your son is giving. And so when I connected with the dad, the two years later, at the reunion I really did want to let him know it was okay and that I just wanted him to be happy and his his wife and his baby to be happy but that that case ended badly for me yeah and that I had to leave that case and let one of my partners take it
0: yeah well I mean if it's going to affect you like that you know there I think I probably wouldn't have been able I probably would have done been like you I probably would have suggested, you know, like think about the quality of life. He's not going to be able to throw a baseball not going to have friends, you know, not the kind of friends that a young child should have and not have the some same experiences, especially if he's not mobile at all. But anyways, that is a very uh, sad story. Sad and, and I don't know, yes, very conflicting.
1: <laughs> yes,
0: it is. It well, is. based on that, and how amazing you've you've been, and all the things that you've experienced, and then this awesome book that you've written, where can people find you, connect with you, and learn more?
1: Oh, thanks. Um, My website is the best place to start, uh, susanlandersmd.com, and there I have a blog, you can buy the book there, you can uh, get extra resources for parents. I do want to say for listeners most of the outcomes in the NICU are good. Okay. Most of the babies that enter the NICU for intensive care, whether they're tiny preemies or not, turn out to be perfectly normal children. And that's why I've put resources there for parents, milestone checkers, things like that. Um, I think that My website is the best place. I also have an account on Instagram and Facebook at Dr. Susan Landers, where people can find me. And I love uh, to get feedback from young parents and get questions. I think that's fun and stimulating. Awesome.
0: Well, I will make sure I put all those links in the show notes, you guys. So if you are a young parent or you know one, you know, and that you connect with Susan's Story and think that she could be a value or a great asset or a resource to someone, you know, don't hesitate to go click that link, go check her out, go send her a message, go check out her book, because I've been touched by her story and uh, I know that others will. So thank you, Susan, so much for being a guest. Before we go, do you have any last words of wisdom or advice you'd like to leave with the audience?
1: Uh, I would like the audience to know that their doctors and nurses care for them very deeply and that oftentimes they're frustrated by a system that slows things down and gets in the way and I want the audience to just take a deep breath and know that their doctors and nurses really do care about them and try that. to forgive them if they're grouchy. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Thank you. That's
0: that good. It's good for me to hear that too. because Yeah. You know. <laughs> Uh, Well, thank you, Susan, so much for sharing your story. Uh, You guys go check out So Many Babies, My Life, Balancing, and Busy Medical Career and Motherhood. A lot of great tips in there. And uh, go to her website, susanlandersmd.com. As always, you guys, this is your host, Deanna Rodulescu, with Label Free Podcast. So live your best life. You must live label free. Please don't forget to comment, share, review, subscribe, all those good things. And I'll be back soon with more dynamic guests.